And what's required there is for us to step into this role where we recognize that our lives are showing up the way they are because of the choices we're making and because of the way we perceive our lives and because of the way we perceive what we are and are not worthy of living as a life that possibly we could desire when we see somebody else doing it on social media scrolling through or in a movie but we would stop ourselves we would do that dismissing thing the ego mind would go no whether it's from like conditioning or parental imprints or past life trauma or this lifetime trauma or some other sources our conscious mind thoughts that we hear that cause us to make the choices we make that we hear is at most the science is 15% i'm saying 10% at most conscious so 90% of what makes the choices of what we do and don't choose to do in our lives and with our lives is all unconscious and subconscious so what i spend my time doing is running clearings and activations on the unconscious and subconscious to to flush those blocks and bring that consciousness forward so then my students end up and my clients end up with more awakened consciousness at the frontal lobe to make choices from welcome to your awakening journey Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we're about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, ascenders? You're now listening to The Awaken Podcast, a show in which we dive into some expansive, insightful conversations to assist you and the planetary collective consciousness in ascending to higher expressions of awareness, divine purpose, and infinite potential. My name is Brian Henry. I'm the founder of Together We Ascend over at togetherweascend.com and your host of the show. For those of you that are returning listeners, I want to welcome you back, Ascenders. And if this is your very first time tuning in, I want to welcome you to the Ascending Journey. We are here now about to get a vibrational upgrade. Dr. Allison Kay is the creator of the Vibrational Upgrade System, which brings together her unique blend and experience of a Western education in areas including psychology. With her experience studying for over 10 years in Asia in areas such as Ashtanga Yoga, Qigong, and Buddhist philosophy. And so bringing these two together, she takes on the holistic approach to mind, body, spirit, wellness, and potential that I'm just so sure we all believe in here. And so in this one, we get into clearing away the energetic blocks, the subconscious belief systems that impede our experience of bliss so that we can manifest magic in our lives. But just before we do, one small ask for you, Ascenders, if you've been enjoying the content or by the end of the episode, you've been assisted by this specific episode, I do encourage you and ask you to support three people that you care about 
along the path of their ascension journeys by sharing this episode with them in support of them as individuals and in support of our collective at large. If once again, you've been assisted by, you've enjoyed this content, please do consider sharing the episode with three people that you care about. Anyways, Ascenders, what do you say we get into that vibrational upgrade now? This is Awaken with yours truly, Brian M. Henry and Dr. Allison K. With the unique blend of experience and education that brings together a Western-learned understanding of psychology and neurology with Eastern practices, including yoga, qigong, and meditation, our guest today has created a system of her own, the Vibrational Upgrade System. Having spent over 10 years in Asia studying subtle energies and ancient wisdom, and many more working as a yoga and meditation teacher and energy medicine practitioner, she knows what it takes to create for both personal and collective evolutionary change. She's the author of four books, including Vibrational Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition, and Reasonable Dragons, How to Activate the Field of Possibilities Where Logical Magic is the New Normal. She delivers activations and energy clearings, and she's helping people upgrade their vibration and activate their magic. And today, Dr. Allison Kay joins us on the Awaken podcast to help us do the same. Dr. Allison, thank you for joining me for what I know is going to be a thoroughly enjoyable conversation and podcast. I'm happy to be here with you, Brian. I'm excited to see what direction this goes in. So I'm uh, I'm playing around with a new starting question to to kick things off. This may or may not be the the first question I continue to ask my my guest. You're actually going to be the first one that I start the the episode with this one. Interpret it however you'd like. Okay. Who are you and why are you here? Um I'm a being of this universe in a human body as Allison JK in this lifetime. And I seem to be here to help humanity during its what's considered its greatest evolutionary leap ever. I seemed to have done massive amounts of work in other lifetimes that I'm still learning how to allow to come through and out Whereas like I used to require my hands on someone, a thought, not even saying it out loud, not even doing any kind of energy medicine process. I'm helping people manifest or shift into a healing like with COVID. So I seem to have, what I said last night to my mastermind was on our call was where my consciousness goes, it seems like it expands afterwards so like i've never been a follower and in fact when something comes becomes trendy i veer away from it but i seem to be ahead five to ten years depending on who you are and what you're doing and this group i'd be less far ahead but like for example the international living show on hgtv i was in asia being taken to different apartments in Taiwan for where I could live because I used my contract for my international school teaching an admin position stipend rather than living in the expat provided housing for us and staying in the expat only community. I wanted to immerse myself 
So I, I just, I eat, pray, love. I worked with that indigenous healer in that same shop in Bali, in Ubud, Bali, before she got there. And I'm like, I had that same experience. So I, I, I when I focus on something, it allows it to expand. And so I seem to be a harbinger of these new times and this new era in helping. I know my mission coming back from Asia was, man, if people in the West only understood how much more thriving was possible and is possible if we went in and were, learned how to work with our consciousness and learned how to work with subtle energy to optimize our own mind, body, spirit systems. So that was my mission coming back from the East. And I had already been practicing energy medicine sessions. It was already alongside my second revenue stream to my primary one as a classroom teacher in the public school system. I went into the international school system, not only to elevate my level of abundance and adventure in my life, because a dry, still, flat living is not what I'm about. And I can't tolerate a predictable life for the next three decades or four decades. So I went into the international school system, but I specifically took the job offered to me in Taiwan because I knew that both the traditional Chinese culture allowed to express itself in Taiwan as opposed to the mainland, as well as in the Indian yogic culture, the Hindu culture, where I also spent time getting trained as a yoga teacher. Those two not only understood our subtle energy system and subtle energy, but they still came from it and its practices and the way the society is organized in current day. Whereas we had alchemists go underground after about the age of reason. So that's why there have been in the past decades, um, words used like quackery or woo woo in dismissal of it. And so the second part of my mission coming back from Asia was to professionalize the field of energy medicine. It is a science. It is a predictable, observable, reproducible science based on observed natural phenomena studied for 5,000 years. It uses the third scientific method of naturalist observation. So that's who I am. I love to laugh as well. Mm -hmm. I love to be in my body. I love to dance. I love to climb. I love to hike. I love to uh, bungee jump. I love to get my bare feet on the earth in different places like South Africa. I was very aware of walking on like amethyst and rose quartz <laughs> while I was there. I love going into natural springs. I love the earth. I love playing on the earth. And I love taking people out on the earth. And how's that first start? <laughs> it's a fun start because it sounds mm -hmm. like you love to have fun. Yeah. And I, I love to see, so the whole thing behind me, I don't even call myself an energy healer because while I, and I still do help where needed, while I used to work on healing physical manifestations, I have a whole lot more fun because I had to go so high to work with something once it became physicalized, whether it was a tumor or it was um, chronic cancer or it was chronic back pain or chronic knee pain or somebody just obese and or dense with old baggage and not obese, I had to go. And so their musculature just kind of was unformed and they just had a lot of excess weight. Like I had to go so high to work on somebody like that. So since about 2016, 15, I've been working more with, instead of dematerializing what had already become matter, 
bringing into matter what had yet to form from energy. So that's a whole lot more fun for me. And I do demand fun and I, and, and living up to our human potential is, is what I'm all about, like seeing what else is possible. So when I list things about that, I love to do, I mean, I, I, I want to learn, I want to get my pilot's license. You know, I, I, I just, I'm in a body, I'm on planet earth. I want to play. I want to do everything possible, <laughs> you know, that doesn't pose ridiculous risks to myself within reason, obviously. So it's just like living up to our potential and taking advantage of being in a body on the planet mm-hmm. and having a joyous time doing that as opposed to the suffering paradigm. What I'm uh, gathering from this is the focus on a positive focus towards what wants to be created opposed to the trying to fix or heal or mend what we are deeming broken. Brian, did you catch the title of my first book? Your first book, ah, uh, yes. Um, what I don't want to. Nothing wrong. Yeah. What if there's nothing wrong? You got it. Yeah. Okay. That started as my dissertation, um, and then it became what if there's nothing wrong. And I wrote that my tenth year in Asia in traditional tea houses after work, after grading my students' essays overnight, like till six a.m. drinking green tea in a traditional tea house. So what I came back to the states with that presentation. I'm very. Chineseified in that, and I had to actually hire a local American to make the English become more American English as opposed to Chinglish, which is what I was kind of using at the time. I had become relatively bilingual, so um, yeah. What if there's nothing wrong? Is the approach, and and it, you know what help will help inform this in a bit more of a linear way for listeners. I think you already get it. Is I went into um, my college bachelor's program as a psych major, my mom, like, I don't know, age 13 ish had said, Allison, you have a really natural way with people. Why don't you consider becoming a psychologist? So I spoke with her about that a little bit more. I listened, I trusted her intuition. I listened to how it sat in me and it was a yes. So I did it third semester. And I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me. You're not teaching me anything about like how to be the happiest, most joyous versions of ourselves. You're focused on like the hardwiring in the brain because you're busy proving yourself as a science. You're focused on the industrial application and the capitalistic use of um, in HR or management with this. You're not showing me anything about me or us as individuals as a holistic mind, body, spirit system. So I left the major. And so from there on in, I've been like basically asking that question and finding like tool after tool of how do we be the happiest, most thriving versions of ourselves holistically in mind, body, and spirit? That's is what that, it is. Is that the question for you? And if not, what is? So I've been saying, it's a good question, Brian. I've been saying for about 20 something years, the universe helped me increase my tolerance for bliss. Huh. So that's more mantra than a question, but uh-huh. um, there's an implied question there. Yeah. I like that. Help me increase my tolerance for bliss. Now, explain to me the choice of the word tolerance in that in that concept. There's so many places I could go, but um, so later on, when I was in the international school system, um, I ended up teaching AP Psych. The year before, I had prov- I had designed an, uh, what I call the global psychology course for high school juniors and seniors, and it was a combination of using the Dalai Lama's texts with Western psychologists, um, neurologists, um, professor, various uh, 
traditions that would come together every other year and he'd have a conference with them to talk about the effects of meditation and how the West views the psyche, the psychology, the bodily health. Out of that came the beginning of measurement of the effects of meditation. Started at the University of uh, Wisconsin at Madison as well as at San Diego State. Um, so that, did you ever see the picture of the monk with all the electrodes on its head? Mm-mm, can't say I have. It was a cover of Time. Um, that came out of the Dalai Lama summit. So I would use co- the College 101 psych textbook, and then I would bring in the Dalai Lama's uh, publishings of their these biannual summits meetings as the text for global psychology. Then I taught AP. They asked me to teach AP Psych. So I got to with my awareness now, at like 20 something years of having been a meditation teacher, because I was teaching in the classroom too. Um, and being uh, energy medicine practitioner, I was now like reviewing the psych information I had taken in as a, a my first major. And I was starting to see new awarenesses from the perspective I was now approaching it from. And one of them to answer your question is that in college, Psych 101 textbooks, there's two separate chapters on perception and sensation. So the first thing when our five physical senses pick up data out around us to touch or smell or taste or hear or see, that's the first chapter or the first step. Then it goes into the what we're going to call the ego mind, which is a, yog- a yogic and meditative term or Buddhist term. And the ego mind sorts through its files of what it already knows. And if it's a new sensation coming in through our physical five senses, it, 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 it won't have the appropriate data. So if I'm in Asia, I'm at a fruit stand, and I see a fruit that's exotic to me, what my mind will go is, oh, that looks like what I've seen before, a pear. And then it will do a further file data check but I, and I'm in Asia, so let's call it the Asian pair. So why I am saying that is the structure of our ego mind, both from the meditative. So Buddha took out of the yogic wisdom or tome of wisdom, he took one half of it. He took the meditation, or it's more than one half. In yoga, I'm trained in Ashtanga, it has eight limbs. Only one is the body postures, the asanas in yoga class. That's so much the focus in the Western studios five or about how to work with the mind. So Buddha took meditation up out of yoga. So when we talk about Buddhism, that is the practice of meditation originally sandwiched within the whole yogic tomb. So in the Buddhist understanding, it's called the ego mind, as you can totally see the teacher in me. Um, And the ego mind has been given to us to keep us safe, to protect us. So back to Western psych, each of these five senses have what is called or are called thresholds on them so that we don't go crazy picking up all the actual multi-dimensional data that's actually there. So that when we start to meditate back to Buddhism in the East, these thresholds slowly for our highest and best only open up a little bit. So that's why one of the outcomes you start to have more clairvoyance or you start to have more clear audience because our consciousness is expanding And a part of that expansion is we have the capacity now to handle a little bit more data because we have a more expanded consciousness. Okay, so if the nature of the ego mind in the divine design of a human 
is to keep us safe so that it and it helps us navigate the physical plane when we're in the jungle and it's un, there are unknown threats lions tigers and bears oh my the ego mind goes into do i go into fight or do i go into flight with this new thing that is something i have to guard against because i don't yet know it that's the whole adrenal complex and the fight or flight syndrome the point being is that we have natural set points mentally that our mind naturally is wired to prefer so to come out of a comfort zone people typically require crisis unless they're working with me frankly in a proactive way or with meditation and yoga to expand their consciousness proactively so when i say universe help me increase my tolerance for bliss i'm asking for events to come in that helps peel my ego mind's protectiveness back so what is it being implied here that the ego mind can impede the experience of bliss absolutely yes and it can impede any time we go for anything new so to expect ourselves to have a rocking phenomenal yes about going for something that's new that challenges us to expect our system to be totally on board and there to be no resistance no doubt no fear is unrealistic mm. that's why we just do it anyway mm. with mindful awareness but with so clearing and activations i make that easier to feel comfortable in the territory of the unknown to be more predisposed to choose the unknown knowing that that's the tool for the new times we're in now the intellect has been fantastic since the age of reason it brought it calmed down all the superstitiousness in the west it brought in structure it brought in you know zoning laws it brought in science it brought in order we're mm -hmm. in a new time now we, we, we we've gone too far um, into that pendulum and now it's coming back, but it's in an entirely new context. From my understanding, all the work I did in a two and a half year radio show that was weekly around the Mayan Galactic Alignment 2012, December 21st, and I was there at Chichen Itza on that day. We, in the yogic, um, Yogi Bhajan of the yoga culture also talks about 2012 having been a marker from an old yuga to a new yuga or era. And that's not the only two that talk about 2012 having been a marker. I understand that what we're in right now is the turning around the bend. We've been in the crumbling of the old paradigm from 2012 to about 2020, COVID on the tail end of that. And now we're around the bend into the building stages of the new era. And what's required there is for us to step into this role where we recognize that our lives are showing up the way they are because of the choices we're making and because of the way we perceive our lives and because of the way we perceive what we can and can't attain that's very western what we can what we are and are not worthy of living as mm. a life that possibly we could desire when we see somebody else doing it on social media scrolling through or in a movie but we would stop ourselves we would do that dismissing thing the ego mind would go no whether it's from like conditioning or parental imprints or past life trauma or this lifetime trauma or some other sources like there's a lot of unconscious beliefs and judgments and evaluations we have based on all these different factors like our parents or our conditioning or our traumas where our mind is more predisposed to protecting us and keeping us safe. So 
then there's also unconscious beliefs around, I don't deserve to be free. That could come in from seeing a dad in drudgery his whole life working to provide for the family, a mother um, working alongside him in drudgery, both of them feeling very heavy with the obligations and the excitement of raising their own family, but it being a total framing of obligations. So that imprint, if it's happening from zero to two, it's an imprint. If it's happening from two to eight, it becomes an unconscious conclusion. Oh, that must be how life works on planet Earth, which is what we're asking from ages two to eight is our neurology, neurology starts getting wired. So we end up with, it's only about at most 10, I want to say 10%. I used to say 15%, but I know that's not right from the decades of doing this work. Our conscious mind thoughts that we hear that cause us to make the choices we make that we hear is at most, the science is 15%, I'm saying 10% at most conscious. So 90% of what makes the choices of what we do and don't choose to do in our lives and with our lives is all unconscious and subconscious. So what I spend my time doing is running a buttload of, uh, or boatload of clearings and activations on the unconscious and subconscious to bring, to flush those blocks and bring that consciousness forward. So then my students end up and my clients end up with more awakened consciousness at the frontal lobe to make choices from. That's what I meant when I said I can do activations that gear you to be more friendly towards the unknown and to understand it's actually the tool to welcome the new. And what is, is actually one of the, I would say, first of the three or one of the top three guidelines for this new era to welcome the unknown and to embrace it. The set, another one of those top three would be whenever your mind is asking for the how, drop down into the heart and surrender. And I know you're nodding your head, so that's relatively familiar, but I wanna, I, I teach stuff at a very nuanced level because I feel like there's so much on social media that people are out there um, saying that's not accurate and it sets people up for failure or it sets people up to get down on themselves if they don't manifest that big thing they've been going for using the law of attraction for three months. Um, in the heart, because in another example, as you could hear about the idea of surrender, and you could be applying it at just the wrong time when it's required for you to hold the vision. When it's required for you to take action based on that intuitive hit you got, take mm -hmm. the action. You don't surrender at that point. But when you see something about surrender, you know, people are like applying it over across the board and that's not an accurate teaching. So the other mm -hmm. thing that I want to add in there, I'm glad to hear your response is the heart intuitive guidance that leads to the inspired action. So I'm doing feminine and masculine, intuitive guidance, feminine, that leads to the inspired action step, masculine, doesn't come necessarily in this like really groovy way that's like a far out vision. <laughs> I'm making a little bit of fun here. It's just the heart simply like being uplifted. Yes, that feels good. Yes, I like that. Yes, go there. Yes, have her as a guest. One choice at a time choice after choice after choice, co-creating our lives in alignment with allowing the divine's voice. So in yoga, to yoke with is what yoga means, the divine. I see it as the crown chakra is the higher self. And once we've done enough work, we have not only that connection to our higher self, all above here, all these other chakras are to the divine increasingly. So the more that we come into that alignment, it's a 
dance. Like here's, I'm doing a Qigong movement now. It's a dance between like, okay, I'm letting life flow through me unobscured as I take these action steps. I hear mm -hmm. the guidance, I make a choice, I take the action step and I let it organically get created rather than needing to know the plan like the mind wants and the five step process like the mind wants and the how like the mind wants and the doubts and the fears to be allayed like the mind wants before step one's ever taken. I've definitely um, felt a, or have come across this notion and I felt a sense of interest and resonance with this, this approach of moment to moment alignment with, with yeah. the inspiration. Now yeah. you, you mentioned once we've done enough work that we can tap into, tune into that. Um, what comes up for you when, when you consider how do we, how do we bring ourselves to really be attuned to that inspiration? And that divine guidance. It's a, so you can have it today, just listening to me, like you're getting an upgrade. It's called entrainment is a technical term for it. When there's somebody with a more expanded consciousness and a higher vibration, a, a law, it's a universal law. Um, the higher vibration entrains up the lower vibration. And it also frankly causes reactivity like fear, or I could go on a uh, tangent. That's not what you asked. So I won't. So I don't want to make it sound like you can't have that guidance today. That's why I said, if your heart, if you feel lighter, if you feel like happier about making a choice that's presented to you, then that's guidance. What I'm saying is after a certain amount of clearing. So your question, here's the answer. I have seen it require what I was talking about before the clearing out of all what I've called the back of the house consciousness the subconscious blocks and the unconscious blocks, like the conclusions that are unconscious, like he always gets what he wants. I don't, I have to fight for what I want. I'm unworthy of receiving. I can't have financial freedom and work a business. I have to have an employer that's safer. Flushing all of that to the surface because they correspond, each of those beliefs, depending on the topic of life, correspond to the relevant chakra because every chakra covers a domain of life. So when I say back of the house consciousness, I also mean it's causing blocks at the relevant chakras part of the body and in both the musculature around it, as well as the hormonal gland, because every endocrine gland is covered by the chakra system, as well as your central nervous system because the biggest gathering of neuroreceptors are at where each chakra is along the spine those are our two main communication channels electrical central nervous system chemical hormonal so the chakra system for me that's in part why i say it's a science it's not just about like becoming more awakened it's also about like vital life force energy which is the translation of chi or prana or ki of reiki vital life force energy pulsing throughout your body that's going to help you because if it's able to run throughout your body that my second book goes into this a lot that increased level of universal life force contains an energy that the universe recognizes so that will gradually bring you more into alignment at a higher vibratory level and an easier to work with the law of attraction because the universe more easily recognizes a non-mental closed down dense energy. The universe will feel your closed downness and it will deliver 
that's when the law of attraction seems to work against some someone. When something shows up, you just keep repeating the same pattern. Um, what I'm talking about is getting around the bend into the other side of that when you start are able to actually work it to your advantage. So I don't want people to come away with the idea that it's only at the head level. It's mm-hmm. totally the body too, because it just gives more, your field resonance for the universe to pick up on. And the the foundation for this change is the, the clearing. Clearing of subconscious belief and blocks. Yeah, and when I was in, I don't know what year it was, Brian, but um, like what year of, of being an energy medicine practitioner, I was in a session, it was like the client's third or fourth session of a package of 10. It was alongside the classroom teaching still in the States before I'd moved into the international school system to Asia. And my hands were over the second and third chakra, over her abdomen, boom. And she was getting great results. We were both thrilled with what was happening. And I looked up and I was, I asked universe, what would it, how do I increase and get more, how do I get more robust results for my clients? That was one of the two questions I asked that led me ultimately to move to into the international school system to Asia. And I feel like I've been having that question answered ever since. So when I meditated before an energy medicine modality, I have five under my belt before I create a vibrational grade system. And the system I created is a combination of mindfulness from the yogic background and energy medicine, but it's an applied mindfulness after the clearings and activations. So what I'm saying is it's not clearings are not the only way I was seeing in meditation year five that I was having more consciousness expanded. I was having access to more consciousness. Um, I know that after from minutes 20 to 30, if you have a 30 minute practice, that's where you're starting to flush the subconscious. You're starting to clear it. I wanted to speed that up for my, my clients. So while clearings are not the only way meditation is another way. I see that, like, I remember saying this within the last two years, a client of mine who was in my mastermind program for her second year. So she been working with me at that point for about 2.3 years. She was getting results that it had taken me about a double the amount of time to get to. So in fact, I had ended up speeding up the results from, on behalf of my clients. So there are addressing all of the unconsciousness. I don't mean to say you lay on a, a, a chair in therapy and get hypnotized into your subconscious and that's how you do it at all. I don't mean listening to a YouTube video where it's a Solvagio frequency and it's helping your subconscious at all. I mean like working with somebody who knows intuitively how to hear and perceive you and hear and perceive what your lockdown is in your consciousness and start to get the windfall flushing so that this opens so that now you have more vital life force energy flowing. It's a quicker way to get results than mm-hmm. your meditation alone. Because of that, um, that entrainment. Not only the entrainment, because I'm, I'm taking parts of your consciousness that were once locked down in a conclusion that's erroneous, that you're not even un means not sub means under, you're not even consciously hearing. Right. I don't mean to sound as if you don't know what un and sub mean. It's to emphasize the point. They're not thoughts that are conscious. So you need to having somebody get your back who can see. I've had people, I had people do this to me back in the day. Like when I, I felt like I wasn't seeing, there was something I wasn't seeing. Right. 
you know that feeling, right? Within yourself? Yeah. There's just something I'm not seeing or there's something I'm avoiding or there's something I'm not, there's something that if I were to have it released, I would have more capacity and access to, to more, mm -hmm. right? So getting somebody to get your back who has eyes that can see accurately that doesn't project it's like the number one commandment i actually have 12 commandments with my vibrational grade practitioners when they're in training it isn't as structured as it sounds but honestly from the different modalities i've been trained in as i've been in practice sessions i've seen people just sit there and project just project no clear seeing you mean from the but practitioners yeah. And then, and then I have people come to me and I'm not even talking about like beginners. There is some high level people out in this field of self-help. And, um, I don't know what I call some of them energy medicine that have, I've had so many people come to me mildly traumatized from work they've done with somebody else because they've been told this is a block of theirs, or they've been told this is the way they are, or even in a reading, they've been told this about a past life and it has locked down that person hmm. into fear. So you wanna be careful about who you're, you're selecting to get your back, but yes, somebody who can see in the place, the, the, the shadow, well, that is a serious jug of water, mate. How big is that? <laughs> i'm thinking like two and a half liters i love this thing Holy cow, but no. I love that's like a mini water cooler you could just like yeah. stick it in the sand <laughs> i <laughs> and it's uh it's carrying me some some positively charged blessed water yay but that may be a story for uh, for another day i okay well i'm gonna intervene just a little bit i had a absolutely beautiful beautiful experience this morning blessing oh, my water yeah well i'm i'm up here where i'm visiting is uh, i'm uh, when we're done i'm going for a natural mineral bath i'm in natural mineral spring um area there's natural mineral springs with different mineral compositions so there's mm. different ailments that are helped when you go to a different spring there's an island in italy just north of sicily that i went to for a month and did that too ischia i-s-c-h-i-a so these natural mineral springs, like they're brown. Like I, I'll get into a bath and it's brown uh, because it's it's the or brownish orange because of the iron. So yeah, I mean, I, I just did a video last week for my followers talking about um, water is supposed to have minerals in it. Mm -hmm. When we purify water, it takes, it's because we don't prefer the sulfur taste. Um, water is supposed to taste sweet naturally. And if you're, if we, when we, get all the minerals out so people like the flavor it loses all the medicinal value and then you look at our soil too in america particularly with a monocrop ag we're not getting the minerals in the soil so if you rotate your crops you fix different minerals in when you monocrop soil or corn for example you just get the same mineral and the same drainage of the same minerals so to get the full mineral profile which helps our central nervous system um a mineral supplement is needed or bathing in baths like this where your skin takes in the minerals. But I, I have seen, I remember when I first came back from Asia, there were a fair amount of people that were coming to me and it was simple mineral imbalances when it was like this huge diagnosed thing where there are meds and they wanted to get off the meds and it's just simple mineral balance, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I and have how, I know we're, we're kind of, um, 
detouring so, uh but i'm i'm totally okay with it i'm i'm feeling inspired to, to continue down this road and maybe we'll reel it back in um my body and spirit there you go and i think that's perfect uh that's that's the very lesson we're being we're being taught here this is my organic green tea unsweetened Yum. so that's what this color is <laughs> not a urine sample <laughs> <laughs> Oh, beer. I've been stopping corn cups. I thought I was drinking beer on a Sunday afternoon. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you are on, well, supposed to be on vacation. Mm. Let's give you a quick little shout out uh, for our listeners. Dr. Allison here is taking this time to, to spend oh, with me in the midst of a vacation. It just goes to show your your commitment to serving others. And I, I deeply appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. I love what I do. And, and it's been an interesting challenge in a way at times to navigate like when to drop the the the, the leading in the, in in the serving because I love what I do and so when I do what I love I share it with my followers and with the, my students and and so yeah um, it's an interesting thing to just have something on my own anymore <laughs> you know mm-hmm. knowing when to rest. Well, that's, that's, yeah, I love, I love, I'm good. I'm really good at like laying on a beach. I'm really, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm really good at that. <laughs> In this day and age, that is a skill. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to Thailand in between my semesters and Chinese New Year, and I would get $5 Thai massages daily. And I'd go to like different holistic clinics or Buddhist monasteries and visit them and get more treatments. And I dance at night. I, by the way, don't need beer or alcohol anymore. I, I haven't drank in, like I might have tequila. I'm really good tequila from Mexico because I go down there a lot uh, on New Year's, but I'm permanently buzzed. It's a perma buzz, this work. Like it's just, and, and my students say it too. It's, it's no, I mean, like alcohol is a depressant. It lowers mm. the vibe, you know? I remember mm. one time because it was like kind of required your first and second year of being an expat in Taiwan. Um, or an expat in Hong Kong or an expat in Bangkok or an expat over in Asia to drink like a sailor. So it was like my second year and I had already learned Qigong and I was on the roof of my friend's house um, doing my Qigong on a Saturday morning. And I was like, Alison, do you understand that with this hangover here, how lethargic your energy is? Do you understand that alcohol is a depressant and what you're practicing right now is to generate more light? You're counterproductive here. And from there on in, I just stopped that lifestyle sounds to me that you're high off life yes <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't seem that miraculous it seems kind of like it's been an important point to make it seems like um i didn't go through like a big trauma or drama to be me and to learn these i just had a natural wonder and i had to learn how to like allow it to come through like through my early years and up to about age i still do it but like i would tromp through the woods in under 10 until about 15 with my older brother uh the woods all around our house where we grew up and he would like jump on the broken limbs in front of me and i'd be like connecting with everything the you know the dragonflies the critters over the creek the grass the little clovers in the grass the trees the tree limbs i would just feel so connected to everything and then in my teens i started to journal right which i understood later was a way to let my higher self's voice come in so it's been an aspect of me just learning how to allow this consciousness to be embodied and worked with for its highest value for myself and humanity 
frankly. I haven't needed a trauma. I don't have a story of a journey. And I'm using sarcasm, which I don't typically do, but I was by so many different PR people asked, you have to find a struggle point that made you mm. become who you are in order to give us this pitch to present you in your bio. And, I, and I'm like, I don't have one. So when you just said you're high on life, it seems important to like say what I just said, because it's not always about drama and trauma. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that that is a inevitable um, factor or stimulus for growth. I know. And I know that plenty do grow through those experiences. And even personally, I've I've gone through some what I describe as, you know, tougher times and I've learned from them and I'm grateful for them. Um, but I think that 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 idea that suffering is inevitable, um, I, I believe we're, we're beginning to to transcend that even. Yeah. I have found in the last couple of years, I've been saying, if you're addicted to the struggle paradigm, I'm not the right mentor for you. Mm. So if we look at the fact that I've also been saying that uh, we're in a, the biggest paradigm shift ever that humanity has ever faced, that would endorse what you just said. Yeah. I don't Tell me I, more about that, that paradigm shift. What do you believe it is that we are shifting into? Um, if we look at the protests in the streets in countries that don't typically have protests that have happened the last couple of years, Chile, um, not Moscow, but other parts of Russia, like if we look all over the world, there are voices rising up to be heard against the old institutional patriarchy at times. I mean, in America, we have yet to elect a female president. We had to elect a black president before we could elect a female president. So we accept African-Americans before we accept just feminine. I don't even see race. I see, I, I see shades and I appreciate like pretty shades, <laughs> but I don't see I'm, like the whole thing with America that it does with race and the whole talk about that. I understand injustice and when something's misaligned, people out marching and to, and to bring it back into alignment. So the new paradigm is where everything is into alignment. Everything, where there's been abuses of power, so that's misaligned, it fades away and it comes into alignment. So that's why I talk from a more, um, a, a less like BLM, Me Too, like the, the specific movements there, or even the gender thing. like. The new paradigm is a where the masculine and the feminine are so balanced. I see the, the gender questions that are happening now in a way, this is going to sound really radical, as just the feminine and masculine coming into so much balance that they don't even know what they are. So, hmm. so the, I, I look at things from a really different perspective, from a very holistic perspective, right? And so this new paradigm is one that there's not suffering, as you just said, there's um, not polarity. Mm -hmm. And even in the yin yang that TCM, traditional Chinese medicine TCM is based on, like how the black has white, little white circle, how the white has little black circle in it. That's implying what you said, like you need the struggle that you were quoting from other people. The struggle needs to happen in order to grow. I don't even know that that polarity with, in the way the yin yang is presented is accurate or going to be accurate anymore. What I see is 
we're becoming more galactic. Like if you look at more and more people have been looking at the eclipses the last couple of years, uh, more and more space travel started again. Um, there's been a full moon on like the Washington Post and the New York Times. Oh, no, the Wall Street Journal was when it blew my mind. There was a picture of a full moon on the Wall Street Journal for the first time in the last couple of years. People are looking up more. We're gonna, there's, we're becoming more, this is gonna sound funny, we're becoming more galactic. Like it's not about like these divisions and this polarity and this, that's why we're seeing it intensify. It's mm -hmm. like a fear eating peak before it breaks. The polarity is intensifying. So there's all these different factions in the division and the, I can't follow you. I can't hear what you're saying. You're not using words I'm used to. And we can't have a, you know, a discussion with differing views because, you know, it's going to come to like hate words and hate crime and, you know, all of that noise is just the fever peaking before it breaks. And one of my, my first career was in politics. I'm doing this work to raise consciousness so that the political change I was going for in the early nineties, meaning conserving our environment and coming off the fossil fuels, I left and said, and, and got through my guidance. If you're going to go for that change, it's going to be more effective to do it one consciousness at a time. So I've been doing this. Mm. But my first career is in politics. I have a very collective focused political view <laughs> behind my work and motive. Um, so what I see is a lot more unity. I talk about this a lot in my third book, Reasonable Dragons. That's the only one that's on Audible, what I see in the new. Uh, paradigm, more unity, um, much more heart-centric, much more capacity of people to identify that's my mind and discipline the mind and keep the mind under wraps and use the mind as the tool it's meant to be used instead of the dominant force. Um, much more heart-based, which means much more divine-based, which means much more loving, much more compassionate, much more unconditional loving and not getting cynical or sarcastic in the face of it seems too good to be true. Like being able to handle it's so good without like waiting for the other shoe to drop. An increased tolerance for a bliss, you might say. <laughs> nice one, Brian. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I, I see, like I was born at a perfect time. Like I was born the year Martin Luther King got assassinated and the year the Robert Kennedy got assassinated and the year Jimi Hendrix died. I mean, I was born like in these crazy revolutionary times and I wasn't brought up by hippie parents. I was brought up by, I asked them like, why are you guys so conservative, you're baby boomers? So like, well, we're on the tail end of baby boomers. So we're not that. Anyway, um, oh, they were before baby boomers. So I, I can see like from a divine perspective, the placement of me with this consciousness at that time in these times, it's very strategic. <laughs> the divine plan of it all. The divine plan for the collective? And my in my partner, yeah. To all of us to shift in the new paradigm where it's um again, I, I find this week my consciousness is really being guided to talk about dismissiveness. Like where your ego mind just can't handle um what a person's saying. Like it's too positive, it's too Pollyanna. Um like we are creating the physical reality by our projections from our minds. You're nodding, you know that enough people are in your listening audience know that too, if you're having a podcast about awakened consciousness. So if we're creating the reality with our projections and we begin to work on our projections that much more, 
does that not mean we can create a beautiful reality? So at some point we get to the point of working on our consciousness is enough to take responsibility. You know, this mean, uh, be responsible for the energy you bring. We're changing, you're following Brian? Like it's coming mm -hmm. out of the time where we're a victim to something outside of ourselves from any um, completely pointable socioeconomic status or uh, suffering like the Jews or slavery or women, uh, all of the things you can point to and say, that's why I don't have enough money. I'm beyond like you being able to use that cultural, con uh, no, just done. We are in a brand new time and you cannot play victim to anything outside of you or even inside of you, L clearing the limiting beliefs. So that what we then project, what we're moving into, still answering your question, is where we're all more responsible instead of blaming something outside of ourselves for what's happening in our lives. The way and that it's then we can step into co-creator. Mm -hmm. The way that um, it's coming in for me, that I'm gonna sum up what you're doing a fantastic job of describing is Thanks, taking radical responsibility for what we're projecting and realizing that that which we are experiencing in the world is always Somebody else's it's all mm -hmm. projection so if it is then we can create something better if we take responsibility <laughs> for radical our own state of why do you use radical well, the most honest way to, to answer that is that's exactly how I heard it. And when I hear something and I hear the, the inspiration to share it, I do. Um, Thank let's you. see if something wants to come up there. It just feels to be a, a way to describe taking full responsibility. There's approaching the the cusp of, okay, yes, I know I'm, I'm creating my reality. I know my choices matter, right? It's just starting, starting inching into that, that power as a, a conscious creator. But when I, when I use that phrase, radical responsibility, at least the energy that I feel from that is it's not just a, a matter of my choices matter. It's, this is, this is entirely up to me and I have full, now I might be going a little bit too often to one end of the, the, the coin, but I'm going to adjust it, which is my experience is a projection of my thoughts, my beliefs, what I'm putting out, my actions, and really just stepping fully into our divine power to, to create what it is we, we desire. Now, I want to also address the other side of the coin because I, I think it's important not to to go too far off into one direction and yep. also mention, you know, the being humble, being humble, um, staying open, receiving, surrendering, mm -hmm. but knowing when it's time for which and I mean, going beyond that and not making about one or the other, but bringing oh, both wow. those things together. So what you're doing right now is if somebody heard me with an egoic filter, helping to bring them back to center, I didn't even know that's what you were doing. Where I was gonna go with it was is about 10% of randomness. 
10% of randomness. So I did a ton of karmic clearing and training around karma while I was in Asia. And I, and I spent tens of thousands of dollars to get trained in how to clear karma. I'm not saying that I'm incredibly proficient at it. Karma is the most persnickety thing and it comes up when it comes up. So it can seem random. And then I don't, I'm different than the other spiritual teachers out there. I don't believe that everything we're creating. I believe that we're responsible. When you say radically responsible, I want to, where I wanted to come back to was that not everything, there's about 10-ish percent that's random, that you can't have like the part of you that may take over responsibility for things that are in your life and say, I was thinking this, or how did I do this miscreation? How did I manifest this bad thing? What was I thinking? What's in my field? Like I've seen so many people like just get on themselves for like something that shows up that's undesirable. Mm -hmm. There is about 10%-ish that's random. And karma comes in, like a lot of the times it seems to kick in in somebody's 30s or 40s. Like just seems like if you haven't taken care of things proactively, something explodes. It's not midlife crisis, although I think it's been misidentified prior to, as a midlife crisis. It's a lot of the time nowadays earlier than that. But there is a, a certain amount of randomness that it, you're not responsible for. And it could include being at an intersection at a time in, in an accident that you weren't causing or you weren't meant to be in. It can be, a, there is a level of randomness. There's just way too many of us. And there's just way too many variables and a big ass algorithm to be able to take responsibility for absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what can end up happening, and you've, I'm sure, seen this, um, is the pressure that one can place or the blaming of oneself that can happen when things that are not preferred um, end up playing out and that being this this means of just withholding love for oneself which only exacerbates the, totally. the sense of um, not wanting this but is that like not maybe even the lesson like to understand like I spent a lot of time helping people go back to neutral um, I know that we're running out of time that was yeah like, I, I noticed that too yeah. okay so um there is a, a well one question I definitely want to have the opportunity to ask you. So okay. just to confirm here, you uh, we we do have to begin to wrap things up, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell you what, um, I'm sure we can continue having an amazing conversation. But I, totally. I do want to thank you for the amazing conversation that we've already had up to this well, point. Thank you, Brian. It was likewise. Thank you for being a good show host and. You do a great job listening and, and receiving and absorbing and feeding back. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now, like I said, I do have one last um, grand finale question that I, I want to ask you. But before I do, um, was there anything that you'd like to share about in terms of if someone would like to connect with you, work with you? Okay, so I have underneath the computer, because I'm not in my normal workspace for podcast interviews, as you guys have become clear. This is my fourth book. I'm going to raise the computer screen for a moment and pull out a book from underneath. This is the Dragon Master Creatrix, Conversations with a Female Spiritual Teacher for These New Times. If you put in that title and put .com after it, there are a bunch of really fun bonuses you get for free if you buy the book on Amazon. And that includes me at Sacred Sites, 
sending energy medicine from the sites. One of them is focused on abundance from a stone circle in Ireland and on manifesting powers from a stone circle in Ireland. Um, and then two of them are from Mayan ruins on top of the Pyramid of the Sun and then the Pyramid of the Moon to balance the yin-yang. Wow. And then a whole month of membership with me where I do these clearings and activations we just spent how long talking about. So there's four different deliverables and Activate Your Magic, a month-long membership. It's $97. You get it for free. So you get that and those three videos. That means full moon sacred activations, new moon sacred activations. Those are clearings and activations. A Zoom event with me live more clearings and activations in a little bit of coaching done on the zoom with you guys. And then uh, last night I did the fourth thing, an hour long where I go up into this space and just listen to your consciousnesses and just pound out clearings. So um, that's activate your magic. And then the three videos and you get it free if you buy the book. So you can save for the price of the book, you get all of that. Dragonmastercreatrix.com. That's my most recent book. I released it the day after inauguration this year in 2021. Beautiful. Then there's a free monthly call that we do. I have that coming up every last Thursday of the month. If you go to my website and you see all the way to the right new start here, you can check that out too. All my books are on Amazon under Allison with one L and then J middle initial K-A-Y.com. Free Facebook group, Vibrational Upgrade. And to make things easy for all our listeners, I will definitely, of course, include uh, links to yeah. all of that value that you are providing um in the show notes to this episode cool. dr allison what was your question you ready for the yeah. grand finale question you just realized the power to telepathically communicate to all of humanity what do you say it's all about love love is the harmony and the glue Ascenders, that is going to be all for this conversation that I got to have with Dr. Allison Kay. I hope that the episode was able to support you with clearing away those blocks, those limiting subconscious beliefs, so that you can begin manifesting even more magic. Before we go here, I'm going to put that ask out one last time for this episode at least. If you enjoyed the episode or supported by it, please consider sharing it with three people that you care about in support of them and their journeys and our collective at large. Because as each and every one of us steps into becoming a greater expression of our purpose and our potential, well, it serves the all. Because together we ascend family. Anyways, Ascenders, that is going to be it for this episode of the Awaken Podcast. I want to thank you for listening once again. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And until next time, keep ascending. <laughs>